Oh, awesome. That's so good. Ryan, that, oh, what a cool way to start this message of hearing of redemption and hearing of Satan just getting knocked down because of a student finding Jesus. That is so cool. Um, I want to speak for just a second to anyone who's a guest here with us today. And I want to tell you that this message most definitely can, and I pray will speak to you, but we are going to have a big old family chat, okay? So you get to sit in and watch as we have a family chat and listen in, because I so know that this word that God has for us is for us as a church. It's for us as individuals and for us as a whole. Um, I think that the series that we're in, we're at the very end of our series, Tremble, and it has been phenomenal, right? You agree? Yes, and I am 100% sure that the timing of this series could not have been any better for us as a church and as for individuals. So today we're going to have a big church talk. Are you okay with that? Okay, are you okay if we put the pretenses down and we just get real? Okay, all right, here we go. I think it's really crucial that we remember what a church is. All right, a church is a whole body. It's all of us as a whole with many individual parts. And each part plays a needed role. And I think there's someone here today that needs to hear that. If you don't feel like you have a role or a place in the body, then we are missing out as a whole. Because your part, your part of the body is very needed. And if you feel like, I don't, I don't know what my role is, I don't know where I fit, then let us help you find that. Because we need you to be a whole body. But sometimes I think we forget about this and we think only about an individual, about the individual, and then we lose the power of the whole. But sometimes we think about the whole and we forget about the individual and we lose the intimacy of the one. So I feel like God gave me a word today that is for both. It is for us as a church, as a whole, and it is so timely, and it is for each one of us as individuals. He wants to do a work in us as a whole, and he wants to do a work in you as individuals. Last week, Heidi closed out a word after Rochelle had preached with a word that God gave her about healing from Ezekiel 47. Many of you stood up for healing. Some of you stood up for an emotional healing. Some of you stood up for a physical healing. Some of you stood up for a relational healing. Heidi told me later, Heather, as I stood up there, I felt as if God was showing me that he had healing, a river of healing to pour out out on us as a people. Just a few minutes before that, Rochelle, who preached a phenomenal word, had closed out her message with the exact same passage, the exact same chapter from Ezekiel. Ezekiel was getting a lot of airtime last week. What you need to know is they did not plan that. Rochelle did not know Heidi was going to get a word from God in the morning for us from Ezekiel, and Heidi did not know that Rochelle was going to use Ezekiel to close out her message. But the Holy Spirit knew that. And the Holy Spirit led each one of them to hear his voice. And that's what's going on here right now. The Holy Spirit is moving around in our midst. He's moving around in individuals and he is moving around in this church as a whole. Rochelle's message was so full of truth. Like I couldn't shout her down loud enough. It was so good. And it reminded us of the power of saturating our lives in the word of God. 
the importance of truth, the importance that we know truth so that we can defeat the lies of Satan. She said, God's word will revive you. It will start your heart back up. Someone in here today needs their heart started back up. Someone in here today feels like they need to be revived. Like spiritually, they have, they're dead. And I think that as a whole church body and as individuals, God is saying, I want to revive you. I want to start your hearts back up. So we're going to go back to Ezekiel for just a moment because I don't think we're quite done there yet. We're going to go back to that same passage that Heidi read. What was happening is that Ezekiel was having a vision, and in his vision, this man was leading him around. Ezekiel 47, verse 1. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. The temple is where God's spirit dwells. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple, a stream flowing straight from the mouth of God. He leads him out into the water. He talks about the measurements of the water. And then he says, Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. Do you know what is alive in the Dead Sea? Nothing. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Something that is a dead today is going to be revived and come alive. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be, listen, a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food, and the leaves will be for healing. The river is Jesus, and the fruit trees are us. God wants to do a work in us. He wants to make us those fruit trees along the river who produce a new crop every single month. Fruit for food. Listen, fruit for nourishment of people's souls, for our souls, for others' souls, and leaves for healing. Some people in here need to be healed today. Physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing. God is giving us a picture of what he has for us, church. What he has for us as a whole and as individuals. Three weeks ago, God gave me a vision for us as a church. For three weeks, this vision and this word from God has been stirring around in me. I would call it more of a heavy burden that has been on me. And I told Chris this morning, I cannot wait to get up there because when I walk out today, that burden will be off of me and onto all of you. (laughs) Today is not about giving you more knowledge. It is about speaking a prophetic word that God has for us as a church. Right about the time that we started this Trimble series, I had been having it out with God. Do you ever do that? You just have it out with him. If you think you can't have it out with God, you have a very low opinion or low view of who God is and what he can handle. Like if he can't handle your mess, might want to raise the bar a little bit. 
on who you think God is. So I was having it out with him as I was thinking about this church. And I want you to know this. The people of, that lead this church, we think about you a lot. It's not just like, let's show up on Sunday mornings and say hi. It's you're on our mind all week long. And we pray for you. And we worry about you. And we pray for you some more. So I was having it out with him. I was all, God, when we started this thing, when we started this church, our desire was to equip people with the word of God so their lives would be more in tune with you, so that their marriages would be strong and families would be in unity, so we would all be living in the fullest potential of our faith, so we would see victory, so we would have healings. We've been at this for three years now. Why does it feel like the battle is harder than ever? Why does it feel like the burdens have gotten way bigger? Why does it feel like people are facing worse situations than before? Why does it feel like our faith has been tested more now than before? Why does it feel like it's gotten harder and not easier? God, I know you're with us, but why does it feel like so many are so burdened? And after I threw my hissy fit to God, here's what I felt him say. The reason the battle has intensified is because we have moved into enemy territory. It is always more dangerous, and there are always more casualties when you are face-to-face with the enemy instead of back in your own territory far away from the front lines. Satan would not be interested in us if we were not a threat to the darkness. So yes, the battle is more intense than ever. The trials feel like they have piled up. Some of us, the weight of what we're going through, whether it be physical or emotional or relational, feels like it could break us but it means we are in the fight and we are not hiding in the background behind the warriors. It means we are up on the front lines facing the enemy. We cannot retreat because the battle has gotten more intense. We press on. When the battle gets harder, we press on further. We acknowledge that our decision to run to the enemy's camp and take back what he's stolen from us means that Satan isn't happy and he has launched an attack against us. But we also run towards the darkness knowing we are victorious through Jesus, who has already won the battle and defeated Satan. Do you hear me, church? He has already won the battle. So we step out of fear, and we step into full-on faith. Here's the catch, though. Some of us, some of you, This is where we get chatty, okay? Most of us are still operating in fear, not in faith. And you know how I know that? Because I talk to a lot of you. And I hear defeat in your voices when you tell me about what's going on in your lives. Not faith. Fear. How many of you read the last line of a book first? Admit it. Blake admitted me t- to me the other day that, that she does that as well, and I was all, what? 
Normally, I hate doing that. Like, just d- can't, don't spoil it for me. But today, I'm going to make an exception. Isaac, you're th- you'll be the only person here that's happy. <laughs> I'm going to give you the punchline for this whole message, okay? Here's why. I want you to get it. I want it to stick in your minds. I want it to echo in your thoughts over and over and over again. I want you on Wednesday to remember this. I want you on Friday to remember this. I want you two months from now to remember this. When faith replaces fear, it releases freedom. I want you to say it with me. Ready? When faith replaces fear, it releases freedom. When we first decided to do this series a couple of months ago, I felt God direct me to this verse, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us, God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a good mind. So today, I think we're supposed to talk about fear. We're going to come face to face with fear today, and we're going to replace it with faith, and someone here today is going to get some freedom. Because the spirit of fear is not from God. We're also going to debunk the idea. Is debunk a word? Okay, cool. It It looked good. Then I said it. I was like, wait. We're going to debunk the idea that spiritual warfare should put fear in us. That spiritual warfare and talking about the spirit world should be scary. We're going to get rid of that. I've seen it over and over and over, even just in, in talking about this series. You know, you say, oh, we're in this cool series at church called Tremble. We're talking about angels and demons and spiritual warfare and people do this (gasps) people are scared of it because they forget that satan has already lost they're scared of it because fear is in place instead of faith so we're going to talk about satan for a moment just for a tiny bit because he does not deserve very much airtime. when you have an enemy whether it's a military opponent or a rival hockey team, what do you do before you engage that enemy? Tell me. Research. You study them, right? Right? You know their special moves. You know they've got Bennett Taves, that little guy. He's their secret weapon. You find out what your enemy's secret weapon is, and you study it. Can I tell you, it is no different than Satan. I'm not saying we make a habit of studying Satan. That is left to people who worship Satan, okay? We're not doing that. But what I'm saying is that we don't ignore him and we don't pretend he's not there. We don't tremble in fear. We arm ourselves with knowledge and truth against him in the name of Jesus. One of his secret weapons, in fact, I would argue his biggest secret weapon is fear. Fear is always from the devil. I'm not talking about where it says in the Bible, fear God. Okay, that's a reverence. That's a reverence of God. I'm talking about the kind of fear that makes you go, and pull back in terror. The kind that makes you lay in your bed at night and not want to move. That's the kind of fear I'm talking about. If Satan can trick you into being fearful, you will be less likely to confront him. You will be less likely to engage in a battle with him when he lies to you and he comes against you. But that's all he's got, tricks and lies. So what does fear look like? What does fear look like in your life? I can tell you what it looks like in my life. 
fear of failing, which is pride. Fear of man. What are they going to think of me? What are my friends going to think of me? What, am I sp- what, what if I take this big, bold step of faith? What, what is my spouse going to think of me? What is my church going to think of me? Fear of the unknown. That's fear instead of faith. That God is good and that he is in control. Fear of isolation. What if I step out in faith and I'm the only one? What if no one follows? Fear of missing out, FOMO. Real fear for a lot of people. What if I miss out on what's happening over there instead of what God is doing right here? Here's a big one. Fear of actually having freedom because your bondage is so comfortable and known to you. Fear that if you get set free, you won't know what to expect, and it might be uncomfortable. You might not be able to put words around exactly what your fear is, but I believe fear is the root, the root of what is keeping you from total freedom. Most of you probably already know this, but in case you need a refresher, because I did, Satan didn't start out as Satan. He started out as Lucifer, which means morning star. He started out as a heavenly being in the presence of God. He started out as an angel. He started out as one who was in charge of music and worship. Can I tell you that there is freedom in worship? Worship is not always just singing. But there is something that happens when you sing and when you have freedom in your worship. I want you to listen to how Satan is described in Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel was given a message from the Lord, and God is talking to Ezekiel about, about Satan. Okay? He says, you were the model of perfection. Satan was full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. I, God, ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce. Hopefully that's one I've already used. Your rich commerce or your success led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all of your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of the kings. All who knew you were appalled at your fate. You have come to a terrible end, and you will exist no more. The sin that corrupted Lucifer, listen, was self-generated pride. He was so impressed by his own beauty. He was so impressed by his own position, his own capabilities, and he desired the glory that belonged only to God. So God threw him out of heaven and down to earth. 
His name was changed from Lucifer, which means morning star, to Satan, which means adversary, adversary of God. So here we have this enemy on earth now who got kicked out of heaven and will be forever isolated from God as we, the citizens of heaven, occupy earth with him for a short time. And we have the promise of an eternity with God. No wonder he hates us. No wonder he seeks to destroy us with his tricks and his lies because we have what he had but no longer has. Do you hear me, church? This is not surprising. When God threw Lucifer out of heaven, the Bible also implies that a third of the angels fell with him and became his army of demons. And when you feel that attack, it's demons. The demons do all of Satan's dirty work. But my take on this is, hey, if a third of the angels became demons, there's still two-thirds that are angels, so our odds are pretty good, right? But the best news of all of this is that Satan's fate is already known. We already know what will happen to him. Revelation 20, if you have your Bibles. John, the Apostle John, is getting these prophetic words from the Lord about things that have not happened, even as we sit here today, these things have not happened. John is talking about the thousand-year reign where Jesus will come back to earth. He will set up a kingdom of heaven here on earth, and he will reign for a thousand years. I really hope I get to be a part of that. He says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked, so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must release him for a little while. When the thousand years had come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gag and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army, as numerous as sands along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever. We already know his fate. He already knows his fate. A couple of weeks ago, Chris said, Satan doesn't have any weapons but deception. I think he said he's a lion prowling around, but he's a toothless lion. In Job, Satan is called the accuser, and that's all he has, accusations. He never speaks truth. Listen to me. Satan never speaks truth. He cannot speak truth because there is only one that is truth. Truth is a person. His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But it's time that we stop acting like we're not in a fight. Why would God give us weapons? Why would he give us the armor of God? It wasn't for a fashion statement. It wasn't for OOTD. Like, cool. He wouldn't give us the armor of God if he didn't intend for us to fight. That's actually God's plan for us. 
Paul tells us this in Ephesians right before he goes into all the armor of God, all of the pieces that God has for us to put on every single day. He says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul was saying, we're fighting against Satan and his force. And then Paul tells Timothy again, he says, here are my instructions for you. If you follow them, if you obey them, they will help you fight well in the Lord's battles. And David, Psalm 144.1 says, Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. David fought physical battles. But I'm pretty sure all along he knew he was fighting a spiritual battle as he was fighting those physical battles because he was defeating the enemy who wanted to defeat God's people. So it's time. It's time for us to stop being afraid. It's time for us to engage. It's time for us to lay down our pride. It's time to let faith replace fear and walk in freedom. In our last few moments here, I want to tell you two stories, one from the Bible and one about you, this church. I told you that three weeks ago, God gave me a vision and a word for us. And up to that point, all I had for this message was one verse. The verse in 2 Timothy about the spirit of fear is not from God. That's all I had. Chris got like instantly, well, not instantly, but you know, he had like all of his stuff right away. Rochelle, she's like, I got everything. And one day I'm like, I got, I got one verse. <laughs> it's going to be a short message. But God had so much more. I had to be patient. I had to wait on the voice of the Lord. I had to press in. At the very end of service three weeks ago, I was standing right down here. And during the last song, I had a vision. A vision is a picture that God puts in your mind for someone or something. It's usually very fast, just like that. But it's so clear, it feels like you're standing in front of a picture frame looking at every detail. You can see every detail within just moments. The picture was of all of us as a church standing out there together, singing. And the band was up here on stage playing. But in between us was a wall, all the way across, a high wall. It was see-through. We could still see the band. But I knew that on the other side of that wall was freedom separating, we were separated from freedom. I couldn't see what freedom like, looked like, but I just knew that it was there. And then I heard God say, if they will shout, they will be set free. Some people here need to be set free from some stuff. So I was scheduled to come up on stage and to close out the last song, and I had God in my head saying, tell them to shout. If they shout, someone is going to be set free from some bondage, from some chains that are holding them back, from a sin issue. A marriage is going to be healed. A relationship is going to be restored. There's freedom for them to take, but they have to shout. So I obeyed. I came up here, and I'm like, come on, church, shout. Come on, you can do it. And it fell flat. The shout was more like a half-hearted, yay. No one shouted. No one experienced the freedom that was on the other side of that wall. The wall didn't fall. 
it stayed up. And being honest with you, I felt really foolish. I doubted. Maybe I didn't hear from God. Maybe that was my own pride. Maybe I made it up. And for days, it bothered me. Like I'm talking, pit in my stomach bothered me. Then about a week later, I felt God prompt me to write down this phrase, the walls of Jericho. I have learned that God speaks in the most interesting ways sometimes, and if I don't write it down, I'll forget. So I keep a notebook for upcoming messages, or just so that I know I don't miss when God's speaking. So I wrote down the walls of Jericho in my notebook. I was still doubting that I had heard from God, though. I was still battling these lies that Satan was trying to throw at me about my ability to hear and communicate a word from the Lord to his people. So then one afternoon, I'm driving my kids to my mom's house. And, uh, you know, when you get in the car and, and you plug in your phone and you turn on Spotify, right, you, you have your, your stations that you always go to. You know, for us, sometimes it's trolls and we sing hair up. And sometimes it's, um, I, that's not how it goes, but, you know, sometimes it's usually, usually it's, um, it's a worship station that I have. Um, but it's always the same station, okay? I, like, I'm creature of habit, plug in the same station. We hear the same songs over and over and over and over again. For some reason, this time I felt prompted to, no, I didn't feel prompted. I just did it. I just stuck my phone in and clicked on a station I hadn't clicked on in, it, it, you know how it shows on Pandora how, when the last time you played it was? And it, it had been like three years ago that I played this station. Plugged that one in. Song starts, we're driving at my mom's, about halfway to my mom's house. She lives about 12 minutes from my house. This song comes on, and within the first second of the, the, the music coming on, I'm like, oh my goodness, I haven't heard this song in like three years. This is, this is one of my favorite worship songs of all times, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, you guys, this is one of the best songs ever, and they're cool. As soon as the lyrics for that song started, as soon as the word started to, to be sung, God started to speak this word into me. I mean, we're talking like a bucket dumped on me. I hand my phone to Bennett, and I'm like, Bennett, start typing. And he's, he's typing. He's like, how do, you, how do you spell release? I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'll decipher it later. Because <laughs> I was driving, and I knew if I didn't get it down right now, I, I might forget it. God starts to speak this word over me. And if you've had that happen before, I mean, I was like, I probably should pull over because I'm shaking so much. This, this word is so from the Lord. One of the very first things that I heard from him was what I told you at the beginning. When faith replaces fear, it releases freedom. And then I heard God saying, he is so good. He is so good to speak into exactly what we're going through. I heard him say, Heather, you didn't miss me. You heard me. You obeyed. I have freedom for my people. I just asked you to shout. But they missed it. They let fear hold them back. They let fear of man keep them from freedom. They missed out. But I love my people so much. And I have freedom for my people, so I want to give them another chance. And that is what God does. 
We miss it the first time, and we might miss it the second time, and we might miss it the third time, but God says, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance until you actually get set free. You know what the title of that song was? With Everything. The lyrics of that song say, Let hope rise and darkness tremble in your holy light. With everything, with everything, we will shout for your glory. And then I remembered the walls of Jericho on my message scribbles. The story of the Israelites who were finding their freedom. The story of the Israelites who had wandered in the dry, desolate desert for 40 years. And God was ready to release freedom, give freedom to his people on the other side of the river. Joshua, in place, God's faithful warrior, was ready to obey. Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead the people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. And as the following verses go on, three times God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. Don't deviate from them, turning to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Be strong. This is my command to you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then we're flipping over to chapter 6, Joshua 6. Now the walls of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. You have to understand Jericho was a very fortified city with thick walls. The gates were shut. It was a fortress. They were terrified because they had heard about what God had done for the Israelites. The Bible says a little bit earlier that their hearts were melting in fear. No one was allowed to go in or out. They were prisoners in their own city. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the, time, the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one long blast on the horn, ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can start, charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. They must have felt a little foolish marching around a fortified city. Joshua says to the people, wait, do not shout, do not even talk. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So they marched in silence for six days. 
And on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priest sounded the long blast of their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord have given you this town. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could, and suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. And that is what God is saying to us as a church. It is time to shout. It is time to replace fear for faith and shout. What I didn't tell you was the last part of the story about the song. As we're driving home, as I'm driving home, I drop my kids off at my mom's, and this thought comes into my mind like, oh, I should see if Phil and the band would do that song at the end of my message when I preach. No, I'm not going to ask them to do that. Like, it's just, that's a lot of work for them. I've been a part of a band before that's done that song, and it's, it's a big song, right? Like, you want all the lights and full band, and it's a big song. I'm not going to ask him that. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, just, just text him. So I pulled over into Target parking lot. I picked up my phone, and we have this, um, app called Planning Center. It's where we schedule all of the songs in the, the order of the service for church. And I thought, I'll just look on Planning Center and see what song he's got there, because it might be good enough. So I pull up Planning Center. You know, I didn't want to be a bother. I pull up Planning Center, and I scroll down to the very bottom. And we have never done this song in our church before, but the song that was at the end of my message was With Everything. God had already lined it up for us. I dropped my phone in my lap, started shouting. I'm not kidding you. I was shouting. And I called Phil, and I said, you are not going to believe this. And I tell him the whole story. I, Becca can attest to this. I was talking really fast, and he wasn't saying anything because there was no airspace. And... Um, I said, Phil, how did you know that that song was supposed to be there? And he said, I didn't. He said, I had a different song plugged in there, and a few weeks ago that came up on our um, TV as we were playing worship songs. And Becca came in and said, Phil, have you thought about this song for Tremble? And Phil said, oh, yeah. Man, that'd be awesome, but we can only do it once because that's a big song. Like, you, just, you, know, you don't want to overdo that song. He goes, so I looked at Plain Center, and I thought, we should end Tremble with this song. And then he goes, oh, Heather's preaching. She'll love this. <laughs> he was right. Then a few days later, after this story with the song happened, someone from our church who's a, who's a part of this church called me, and she said, I was in the shower this morning, and the Lord gave me a word for our church, and she didn't know any of this background, okay? She didn't know the story. But God was using her to confirm to me that this was a word for our church that I wasn't crazy. This is what she heard. This is what God is saying about us as a church, okay? He says, you're saying, I'll lift my hands, I'll sing, I'll shout, I'll be free in my worship when I become free of my struggles, when I've conquered my addiction, when I have no more shame, when my marriage is healed, when I find my boldness, 
when I have victory. But God is saying to us, when you are free in your worship, that is when you will experience freedom in those other areas of your life. The worship comes first. This is what the Lord is saying to us today. Don't wait for perfection. Don't wait for victory. Praise now. Shout now with everything you have. Lay it all down. The pride, the fear of man, the control, the thought that you're not good enough yet, the thought that when you have it all figured out, when you're the perfect husband or the perfect wife or the perfect friend or when your kids are obedient or when, when God answers that big prayer, that's when you'll praise. God is saying, no, praise me now, shout now. Replace your fear with faith and it will release freedom. You will be set free. You will have victory. You will overcome. You will be healed. This is what God is saying. Listen to me, church. We cannot miss this. Your shout might not be a vocal shout. For some of you, it is. For some of you, God is saying, stop being timid and shout. For others of you, your shout is an act of obedience. Your shout is finally doing something that God has told you to do for a long time, and then the walls will fall, and freedom will be released. Your shout might be forgiving a spouse. Your shout might be letting go of some shame that you've held on to for a long time. Your shout might be letting go of some guilt. And then the walls will fall and freedom will be released. Your shout is doing that thing that you know you need to do. Replacing fear with faith. For my friend Rochelle today, her shout was playing her guitar and singing at the same time. Come on! Come on! Woo! That's been some fear for a long time, Rochelle. For three years, you've had that fear. And today, you got freedom. Am I right? Come on. This is what God is saying for us. I have freedom for you, church. I have freedom for you. Shout. Lay down your fear. Have faith that I will set you free. And when you shout, the wall will fall. And freedom will be released all over this place. Get up on your feet. We're going to do it. We're going to sing with everything and we are going to shout. Don't let your pride hold you back. Shout and let God work a miracle in your life.